all the Christmas songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I never really knew why. It's always challenging to sing. I still don't know exactly how it goes. Um, maybe it's just the words. I do appreciate the words, the lyrics. Um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You know, there's a lot of songs that we don't really know the, 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 song, the, the lyrics to. A lot of these Christmas songs, and yet we love them so much, we, we play them on repeat all the time, uh, yet we, we, not only do we not know the words, but a lot of times we don't even know the meanings of them. Wow, uh, we haven't really taken the time to, uh, to dig into them. So the title of our message this morning is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and we're going to break this song down for us just a little bit, amen? Come on, bro. Well, there's three verses, so I've got three points. You know, the first verse is pretty interesting. i got to adjust the mic because um, if I don't talk directly into it, the people in the back probably won't hear me. Amen. We're meeting on the campus because it's cheaper and it's bigger than anywhere else in the area. Um, the first verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. You know, Israel was in captivity for hundreds and hundreds of years, oppressed by many different nations over all those years. And so they cried out for a savior, someone that would just deliver them from all this oppression ever since the day when they were rescued out of Egypt. They, were, they always had these enemies that were oppressing them, and they just wanted freedom. And so they would cry out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And there are so many prophecies in the Old Testament to speak this true. The second verse, O come thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh, to us the path of knowledge show, and cause us in thy way to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. You know, Jesus did come. Emmanuel did come. The word Emmanuel in the Hebrew is God with us. And so Jesus came, and he was God in the flesh. And he gives knowledge and he shows the way and how to live and how to live in God's grace. Amen. And then the third verse. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and one mind, bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. You know, what's Jesus died on the cross, and then ascended up into heaven, it was now up to his church, the disciples that were of Jesus, of one heart and one mind to come together and then spread the message of, of Jesus all over the world so that all the world would be full of his peace. Yeah, come on, bro. And so here we are today, 2,000 years later, writing songs about this, singing songs that we can barely sing, and we come together and we worship this day of Christmas. Of course, we don't actually believe Jesus was born on December 16, 2,000 years ago. But we come together and we worship this man named Emmanuel because he was God in the flesh with yeah. his people. And he shows us the way. And so to this day, now we cry out, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Yeah. Come on, yeah. bro. But it's not come for the first time. It's not reveal yourself to us. It's please come back. Yeah, bro. We hate the world and everything in it. And we just want this to be over already. We want Jesus to come back so we can ascend with him into heaven. Look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Come on, bro. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 13, the title of this little paragraph right here, given to us by the NIV, is The Coming of the Lord. And it says this in verse 13, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise, will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. And with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Nice. I mean, the visual is so powerful. Yeah. Jesus is coming down on the clouds with a whole army of angels with him, and you hear the Lord's trumpet blast. There's not, it's not going to be a secret. I mean, when, when this happens, everyone in the whole world's going to know. It's going to be on CNN. It's going to be on Fox. It's going to be everywhere. That's true. It's going to be blasted on Facebook, live streamed on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a really big deal. Dang. And it's not just going to be the noises and the fact that we see this bright light Descending out of the sky with the whole army of angels. I mean, that's going to be pretty cool. But we're going to start to look around and dead people are going to come out of the ground. And it's going to get a little scary. It's going to get really scary. And the Bible says that the dead will rise first. And so the dead people are going to not only come out of their graves, but now they're going to start floating up in the air. Oh boy. We got zombie apocalypse <laughs> slash they're flying now. And they're, asc they're ascending into the air. Jesus is still descending. And once all the dead people are up, then those of us who are still alive, we too get to go. And that's going to be pretty cool. I mean, hey, what's up, bro? Good to see you. How, you know, I mean, we're going to be floating. We're going to be, we're going to meet him in the air. Jesus' feet will never touch the ground. We're just going to meet him in the air. And it's going to be incredible. But it's going to be scary. It's going to be heartbreaking to look around and see who else is not floating in the air. Who's not being called up to meet with Jesus. Now for those, who are, who are, those of us who are in Christ, we read this passage, we find great encouragement. We, we look forward to this day. This is something that, that we pray about every day. We wake up and we pray like, okay, Lord, is today the day? Are you coming back? Nope. All right. Well. <laughs> more day on earth. Here we go. And you know, that was really, that was Paul. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I would rather depart and be with Christ, but for your sake, I'm going to stick around a little bit longer, and it's going to mean fruitful labor for me. But I would rather depart and be with Christ. I mean, I really don't want to be here right now. I really look forward to this day. I think when Paul wrote this to the church in Thessalonica, there's probably a piece of him that really wished that as he was writing this, Jesus would just come back. Because this was the most encouraging news mm. that could ever come to a yeah. Christian. Yeah, come on. Mm. The most encouraging news, the most encouraging thing to think about. And he says in verse 18, therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is a day that we should all be talking about. Yeah. This, I mean, Judgment Day is going to be sad for those that are judged, but it's going to be glorious yeah. for those of us who are in Christ. In fact, 
It shouldn't just encourage us. I mean, nothing should encourage us more than the idea of going to heaven and being with God for all time. I mean, nothing should be more, not even the fact that, I'm going to prophesy right now that the, the Seahawks are going to oh, wow. beat the 49ers. Oh. That's going to be very encouraging. I mean, it's going to be really encouraging. I'm going to prophesy again here that the Supersonics are coming back to Seattle. That's going to be really encouraging. I mean, it's going to be really encouraging, even ladies, when your favorite brands go on sale after the holidays. I mean, you're looking forward to those days. I know you are. Keep real, man. At the very least, my mother-in-law is looking forward to that. I'm telling you, nothing is going to be more encouraging than the second coming. Yeah. Nothing, therefore, should disappoint us more than another day on this earth. I mean, nothing should be more disappointing than the fact that Jesus isn't back yet. I mean, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we do live with a joy and a contentment in our relationship with God. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we walk around with these giant fake smiles all the time. It's okay to be disappointed by the fact that we're still here, that the world is still turning, that we can't already be with God in heaven. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4, you don't need to turn there, but... Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Yeah. This was the only time where his disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, teach us this. And what did they ask? They said, teach us how to pray. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, well, when you pray, first of all, say, Father, how ha- be your name. If, it, if it's not for you, I wouldn't be able to say any of these things. So, Father, how be your name. And then, your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's really the very first thing out of Jesus' mouth. Your kingdom come. Mm. We've got to get ourselves to a place where we want nothing in this world more than just for Jesus' kingdom to come. Come on, bro. It's the first thing out of our mouths. Father, hallowed be your name. Help me pay my bills. Father, hallowed be your name. (laughs) Take care of my family. Father, hallowed be your name. Give me that promotion I've been begging for all year long. Mm. Father, hallowed be your name. You're so hallowed. (laughs) <laughs> and Father, I really want that quarterly bonus Dang. at the end of the month. I mean, Father, how be your name? Your kingdom come. Yeah. The other stuff will come. Yeah. But we've got to want the kingdom of God to come. Go on, go on, and we pray like this. God is our Father. And we pray for God to come. You know, the word Emmanuel, God with us, doesn't mean Jesus is going to come with us. But he can be with you right now. And it's not just necessarily a physical being with you. Though it is nice to to think about the fact that the spiritual being of Jesus is with us. Mm -hmm. As he promises in Matthew 28, 20. That physically, he's he's in that sense kind of with us. But he's he's with us emotionally. The holidays aren't easy for everybody. And Jesus can be with you emotionally to help you stabilize during the challenging times. He's with us spiritually, of course. He's with us psychologically. He can help us because that's what it means for God to be with us. You know, in Haggai chapter 2, if if you're able to find it in time, (laughs) Old Testament right toward the end. In in Haggai chapter 2, in verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the dry land. I will shake the nations, and the desire of all nations will come. 
And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord wow. Almighty. I mean, God says, I'm going to shake things up. Yeah, come on. I mean, he looks down at his people. He goes, I'm going to shake things up. I mean, you think that this temple looks cool? The next temple is going to be even more glorious. It's not going to be baptized in gold like Solomon's temple. It's not going to be built with all these fancy woods like Solomon's temple. It's going to be more glorious because I'm going to be there. And because my people are going to worship me there. And he says, when this happens... When the desired of the nations comes, then I will grant them peace. Come on. Amen. This, of course, is a double prophecy. Not just of their temple that they were worshiping in at the time, but for the church to come. That it would be more glorious. Because maybe it's not led by really cool, amazing guys like David or Moses or Joshua. These amazing heroes. It's going to be led by a group of fishermen. Unschooled, ordinary men. But wow. God says it's going to be greater because I'm going to be there and my people are going to worship me. Yeah. In fact, Jesus says, he says, if you're in the kingdom of God, you can be the lowest of the low in the kingdom of God. You're going to be greater than any of those who preceded you. Dang. We need to take great joy in the fact that God wants to bring peace to the earth, joy to the world. In Isaiah chapter 26, Verse 8 through 9 says the name of God and his worldwide fame are the desired things of your heart. I mean, these are the things that really need to get us going and motivate us on a daily basis to inspire us that we desire the name of God. Well, let me get to those points that I promised you. Three verses, three points. The first point is desire freedom. Look over in John chapter 8. Go, bro. Come on, Joel. Desire freedom. Come on. Let's go, Joel. Verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wow. I mean, nominally speaking, these people were followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They had physically uprooted their lives to follow Jesus and to really reap the benefits of the miracles, to eat the food and all that kind of good stuff that came along with following Jesus. And in doing so, they thought, well, because we're followers, we're disciples. And he goes, you're not disciples yet. Mm. He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you're really my followers. Then you're then I can tell you're really trying to be like me and to imitate me. And Jesus's message was very clear. It was just repent, change your life, change your heart, change your mind. And when this, when they decided to do that, when they would hold to the teachings, he says, then you'll know the truth. And that truth is going to set you free. How many Amen. people heard this verse before? Preach it, Joe. The Come truth on. will set you free. We've seen on bumper stickers, billboards, movies. It's everywhere. The truth will set you free. But it's, it's preceded by the fact that we're going to hold to his teachings. Yeah. We're going to dedicate our lives to following Jesus and all yeah. the good stuff co- that comes with that. You know, Jesus' little outline right here helps us get to where we want to go, which is freedom. 
It says, number one, you got to hold to the teachings. Number two, you got to then know the truth. And number three, that truth is going to set you free. How often do we want Jesus to reverse his ways? We go, Jesus, set me free. Then I'll know that you're the truth. And then I'll dedicate my life to holding your teachings. Good point. I mean, it makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? In the business world, that's what we want. No, show me the money. And then I'll and then I'll I'll obey. Or then I'll follow. You know, give me the contract and then let me read through it and then I'll put my name into the dotted line. Jesus is like, no, oh, you sign the contract and then you'll get to read what it says. Okay. <laughs> You're not gonna have any clue what's actually being said and taught in here until you repent of your stubborn ways, your your prideful ways. You'd say, Okay, Jesus, I will hold to your teachings. I don't know what they are. I don't know where to begin. This is a giant book. But you know what? I will dedicate myself to holding your teachings. And then please, would you reveal yourself to me? He says, Come on. absolutely. Wow. In fact, not only will I reveal myself to you, but I will set you free mm-hmm. with that truth yeah. that you've dedicated your life to. Oh, you know, this is good news. Yeah. Yeah. And when Jesus makes a promise, we can trust the promise. I mean, isn't freedom so refreshing? Yeah. yeah. Come on. It's so refreshing. In 2013... Courtney and I moved from Riverside, California, all the way up to Syracuse, New York. I grew up in Syracuse. Uh, God opened the door, so we were going to go back to Syracuse. But you know, Riverside, at the time, was a very dirty place. And we didn't, I, I mean, I, maybe she knew. I didn't really realize how dirty it actually was. <laughs> you know, eight of the top ten most polluted cities in America are in Southern California? Yeah. Wow. And so here I am in Riverside enjoying day by day the sun and the heat and the desert and, well, the nothing in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, I was looking forward to going back to Syracuse, and I had forgotten about how, how awesome it is just to breathe fresh air. And so we, wow. we moved back to Syracuse, and I get off the plane, I'm like, wow. <laughs> this, is, this is nice. This is clean. In Riverside... The American Lung Association graded the air F. Oh, wow. In Syracuse, they got graded excellent. Wow. I didn't really realize how bad it was until I got free. You know, so many of us think, well, my life is pretty good right now. Got a pretty good job, got some stability going on, got a future, got things in in, in place. But you don't really realize that freedom is so much greater than that. Come on. And the Bible offers freedom to everybody who would just dedicate their lives to getting to know God and appreciating who God is. I didn't realize how dirty it was until I got freed from the dirt of the air. And, you know, there was a bit of a trade-off. You know, I mean, Syracuse is full of pollen everywhere. But I'll I'll take pollen over pollution. I'll take it. My wife has a challenging time with it. She's got allergies galore. They did an allergy test on her, and they literally said, we don't know what you're allergic to, because it just looks like you're allergic to everything. <laughs> you know, we, we have this, this grime, this, this dirt, this filth of a world, and Jesus offers freedom. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know that might be scary for some of you to dedicate your life to something like that. But the promise of God is that it works and that it's true and that it is amazing. Come on, girl. It is excellent. And it gets you out of the great F in the air of the world. You know, so many people are living fundamentally good lives. 
You are. I mean, so many people are just living good lives. But, good point, but God expects so much more than just a good moral life. Yeah. And he gives you hope for even more than just a good moral life. Yeah. He gives you purpose. Yeah. He gives you uh, real rewards. Mm -hmm. He gives you a family. He gives you so much. The, the list goes on and on. Mm. The promises of God. They, they have little booklets you can buy in Barnes and Nobles that are literally this thick, just loaded with all the promises of God. Page after page after page. Yeah. And when you dedicate yourself to God, He gives it to you. Yeah. You know, the challenge for us is simply to desire that freedom. Yeah. To do God's will. If you go back to John chapter 7 and verse 16, there were a lot of skeptical people and people that were curious, what is this new stuff that this guy Jesus is talking about? Yeah. And in verse 16, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Yeah. Well, there it is. You see, Jesus' solution is, you don't believe me that this is the fastest car in the lot? Take it for a test spin. Yeah. Take it for a test spin. Give it a shot. God, 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 I, I believe that God can convince you in two weeks. Mm. Wow. In two weeks. I, can, I, I tell people this all the time. Yeah. Give God two weeks. Yeah. Dedicate yourself to the life and the doctrine of the Bible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Give it two weeks and see if it doesn't dramatically change your marriage. Mm -hmm. doesn't dramatically change your parenting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't dramatically change your relationships. Just give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a go. Yeah. Hit the gas, and you will see the freedom that the Bible promises. Come on, Joel. Jesus' solution is simple. Just do God's will. Amen. Because we live by faith, not by sight. Amen. Let's get to that second point. Desire wisdom. Desire wisdom. In Job chapter 28, verse 28, it says, And he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You see, God, it's not a trade-off. It's not where, listen, if I dedicate myself to this, I'm going to lose all this. No, God says you dedicate yourself to this, and all of this stuff follows. You guys with me here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyone's only listening to the audio. They're going to have a hard time understanding what I'm saying. Right now. <laughs> but he says, dedicate yourself to this, and everything else will follow. In other words, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Give yourself wholly to them. And show yourself as progressing to those around you. We need to have the heart to desire wisdom. It will do us good. I mean, we've all tasted stupidity at some point. We know, we know what goes down that road. We've tasted what it means to be stupid. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to call any names out. But you know what I'm talking about. But how many of us have actually tasted wisdom. Yeah. Have actually tasted wisdom. Dedicate yourself for two weeks just to shun evil. Awesome. On, just to shun evil. It's the beginning of wisdom. You know, I uh, came up with some uh, New Year's resolutions. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. 
but I didn't want to wait till the new year because every time I do that, it, I never, I never get it going. I got lots of excuses. I'm, I'm the best. I'm the champion of excuse maker. Dude. I mean, I can, I can excuse my way out of everything. My wife calls me out on it all the time, and and they're good excuses. <laughs> and so I knew if I didn't start working out right now, it's just not going to happen. I do this every year. I've, I've done it every year since I got out of college. I'm not going to be one of those guys that lets myself go and puts on all this weight. And every year I fail. So I, I decided I'm going to start. And so a little over a week ago, I started working out every morning with my, uh, my friend and my, my, my neighbor, uh, James over here. I mean, if you just look at James, you know he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> James uh, played uh, D1 football, uh, went to anesthesia school in Miami. In other words, he's kind of got it together. And, um, you know, I really appreciate him because he, he loves God deeply. And we've been yeah. studying the Bible every week, uh, pretty much every week since May. We get together. And uh, we, do, we do some spiritual training right there. We get in the Bible, we do some prayer. Uh, usually he'll feed me some brisket or something pretty tasty. And, uh, you know, it's great. We get together and, and we do these, uh, these little Bible studies and he appreciates it. I, I really appreciate it as well. And it's really bonded us together. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So I've, I've dedicated myself to adding some value to my morning routine and getting into some workout regimen. And so it's been great. I've been getting up around 5.15 every morning, meet him at the gym at 5.45, and um, Every day he says the same thing. Today's going to be easy. Don't worry. Man, day one finished about a week ago. And, I mean, I went from overly confident to I couldn't even do a girl push-up. I was, I was doing these squat things, and, and, and he, said, he said, just do 10, and then 10 turned into 7. And then he said, stop jumping, just stand there. <laughs> Day one, I couldn't, I couldn't even feel my arms. So of course I went back the second day. Day two, Day two was, he goes, don't worry, it's not going to be nearly as rough as last week. And we, we do the workout, I could barely get into my car. So, I mean, I, I had enough energy to open the door and kind of like fall into it. It was brutal. Day three, my arms are dead. My legs are dead. Day three, my, my whole body just ate. I mean, I hadn't worked out in 12 years. And my whole body, head to toe. And that was, that was challenging. But day four, he goes, I'm going to take it really easy on you today. I said, oh, thank you. So today, we're going to do power cleans, pull-ups, pull and squats. <laughs> so day five, I went on vacation. <laughs> but I've, I've really dedicated myself to, to doing this. I want to do this. I, I, I want to be... One of those ripped guys that stands up here with his chest out. Oh my God. I can flex a little bit to emphasize the point. I, I want it. I do. Come to our next Christmas service. See my repentance. 
Uh, I deeply desire it. You know, when, when you're training, whether it's spiritual or whether it's physical, it's the, it, it hurts. Yeah. But it hurts so good. Yeah. Man, it just feels so good. After every workout, he goes, you all right? You doing okay? I go, I'll be okay. <laughs> he said, he said oh, we got both got Fitbits. And he said, make sure that your heart rate doesn't go above 115. Because then you get an anab- anabolic... An- anaerobic. anaerobic state. And when you get in an anaerobic state, your body just gets um, devours. Lactic acid. Lactic acid. <laughs> All of your muscles, and you get really sore. I said, okay. He said, so what's your heart rate? I go, 142. <laughs> it's all right, just take a rest. <laughs> I mean, it hurts, but it just hurts so good. It's worth the process. You know, when you desire wisdom, it doesn't just come to you like Solomon. I mean, it's a lifelong process of learning the Bible and understanding the Bible. And sometimes a lot of what you learn is because you're teaching it to other people. It's a process. It's a lifestyle. It's something you commit yourself to. And as disciples of Jesus, we are dedicated to desiring this wisdom every day. In James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God because he gives it generously to all. We need to be asking God for this wisdom. And when you do ask God for wisdom, he's going to give you an impossible challenge. And he's going to say, figure it out, and you're going to get wise. We ask God for things like faith, and he gives you an impossible challenge. And it takes great faith to overcome, and now you've got great faith. We ask God to learn love and to really have a deep compassion in our hearts. And what does he do? He gives you someone impossible to love. And you learn how to have the love of Christ. I mean, there's really no easy way to getting to know God and knowing his ways. But it's a dedication to knowing God and to learn wisdom. Thirdly, we need to desire peace. Third verse. Oh, come desire of nations. Find all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. I love that. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Look over in Revelation chapter 22. Oh, bro. Come on. Look at there, bro. You guys still with me? Yep. Revelation 22. It's a good one right here. Verse 7. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy in this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. Let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to eat at the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. 
outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears says, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes one word away of this, from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which, we are, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. 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 Three times Jesus says, I am coming. I mean, what's he coming with? He's coming with blessings and rewards for those who keep God's words and live as disciples who live in his grace, who eat from the tree of life, who have washed their robes. I mean, for us to declare, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, is to take great confidence in our walk with God. And the Bible says that only when the book is sealed is everything permanent. Therefore, until that time, those who do wrong and are vile can change. However, those who do right and are holy, they can change too. We've all got to dedicate ourselves to this humility and walking with God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Come on. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let me tell you guys something. You know God, you'll know peace. But where there's no God, there is no peace. If we desire peace, we must desire God. Revelation chapter 20, 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Lord Jesus, come. Yeah. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Right here we see somewhat of a conversation where Jesus says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And we all would say, amen, come, Lord Jesus. And then together as God's church, we say, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Mm -hmm. amen. 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 You know, the message of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a pleading with God to come back to the earth. And in that time, we will be right with God. We will have confidence in yeah. God. And we will sing, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is coming. Amen. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.